0: Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Orin on Twitter, and you can find Union Street Hoops on NWI.com, Apple Pods, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever your local podcasts are sold. Valpo made it to the championship game of Arch Madness, Falling. 80 to 66 to Bradley, the Braves going back to the NCAA tournament for the second straight year, and Valparaiso heading off into, well, a lot more of a certain future than they were about this time last year. Greetings again and welcome back to Union Street Hoops. Thank you all for listening throughout the week as Valpo made an improbable run to the championship game of Arch Madness. I was there for the entire thing. It was a blast. I watched nine basketball games. I think I wrote seven stories. I did four. Now this is five podcasts. I was lucky enough, uh, just through happenstance, I was asked to, to join Todd Eichow on the broadcast. For those of you that, that don't know, I actually got my start in media by doing radio and and it was broadcasting with Todd, as a matter of fact, that kind of started my my love of this. I would show up to a lot of the basketball games and broadcast with Todd. And while I was there, I would hang around the Sean Haydens and the Paul Jankowskis of the world trying to learn from them as I, you know, I, I really would do the radio and the writing thing was on the side. And then after I graduated college, my first job was in radio and uh, absolutely love working in radio and broadcasting But I found as I went that I really, truly enjoyed telling the stories through the written word. And uh, obviously that's back evolved here as I love telling the stories through podcasting. So it was a real thrill to be able to work with Todd and do the broadcasts throughout. And I got to tell you broadcasting the games, actually, it it just makes the telling of the stories of the games a whole lot easier because you're thinking about storylines the entire time. And I got to tell you, Valpo delivered many storylines throughout. There was John Kaiser... And I I I, just—I keep thinking about John Kaiser today. It's Monday afternoon, back in Valpo, hanging out in my townhouse, recording this podcast here from my my in-home studio, so to speak, and I just keep thinking about John Kaiser. I keep thinking about what he did this weekend to cement himself in Valpo lore. I mean, he really led Valpo. I know Javon Freeman-Liberty played so well— in the last two games. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But John Kaiser was the heartbeat of this basketball team. And it was just, it was an honor to watch. And I'm sitting there in the press conference after the game and he's really emotional, right? He's really, and, and I'm sure part of it is his career possibly coming to an end, getting so close to the dream and not being able to grab it. But just the emotion of what he did the guy has got an ankle that is a color that you don't see on the human body. <laughs> He's got bruises and bumps all over the place and, and man. He gave everything out there and that was that was something else. Obviously Javon Freeman Liberty did the same, right? Guy had mono. He came back from that. He was not himself the first two games. He was pretty awful in the second game against Loyola, and Valpo's able to pull that one out regardless. And then against Missouri State, he was the best player on the floor. And with respect to Daryl Brown, Javon and Daryl Brown were the two best players on the floor in the championship game. Javon Freeman-Liberty played outstanding. If you'd have told me after the Loyola game that Javon Freeman-Liberty was going to be an all-tournament player— I'd have laughed in your face, and the guy came back and delivered. Ryan Fazekas had some up and downs in the tournament, but that game against Loyola, five three-pointers, huge shots down the stretch. He and Kaiser refusing to let Valpo lose. That win will that that game will stay with us for a long time. And then the Missouri State game, he struggled a bit. He came out he knocked down some early shots against Bradley, and then Bradley goes to a three-two zone, really suffocated Valpo, and and really you know either putting Donovan Clay in the middle, and again he played so well, Ben Cricky played so well, Daniel Sackey played so well in this tournament. It was a group effort without question. That zone that Brian Wardle threw at Valpo. It, they got some good looks out of it, right? They had—it the, They it was harder to get the looks, but they did find them. They just didn't go down. Shots that had been falling earlier in the weekend, the legs maybe weren't there. And it's it's one of those things, and we've, we've talked about this before with your perception of Loddick. I, I think everybody can appreciate what Valpo did this weekend— I still saw some rumblings at the end, you know, frustration with how come you don't run a set play against the zone and all of that. Well, Valpo's motion offense is what got them into this spot, and, it, you know, I, I they gave it their all, right? They, they, they gave it their all, and I think that's all you can really ask. I've been beating this drum for a long time, and I've said I, I didn't know whether or not this team was going to be any better or worse than last year's team but I thought they'd be a lot more fun to watch and one of the reasons I thought that was because I knew these guys genuinely cared for each other that one team one boat stuff that's real the gritty stuff last year I felt was like some corporate branding the one team one boat although corny as hell I thought was a reality and uh Daniel had talked earlier in the tournament about their mentality of we above me always. That is something that that you really kind of saw encapsulated in this. When one guy was down, somebody else went up. Okay, so where do we go from here? What's Valpo do from here? Right? Um I wanna I wanna stop for a second and bring in the clip, the audio clip of the press conference that has made some waves, I suppose. When I asked Javon Freeman Liberty about his future I want to play the clip right now and then you're going to hear from Matt Loddick and then after the Loddick clip plays we'll come back and I'll talk about what I was thinking and asking that question and a little bit more about what the answers mean Javon I don't know if there's ever the right time to ask a question like this but you've built something here it can continue your thoughts on playing with Valpo
1: and and what this year has meant to you Uh, 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 if your question is actually my stand yeah, I and, uh, and I just feel like this game, after this game, we're just going to keep building and building. Like We're uh, a young group of guys, and it's a long time before we like actually all split up. So, like I said, we're just going to keep building. Right?
0: Matt, Donovan and Ben played so good in this tournament.
1: What do you see from this core that you have that's coming? <coughs> well, it, you know, as you... So you look forward, right? Um, you know, I think Javon um, has proven that he's a pretty special point guard. And, you know, kind of that new age point guard, able to get in the lane, able to score. Um, he's got that, that knack for knowing where to pass the ball. Um, and so, that's a great foundation. Um, you have Donovan, Ben, uh, who got valuable experience. Uh, their talent's undeniable. There's no doubt about it. We've um, got Malik McMillan coming back, um, who was on the most improved team in the league. Um, you know, we've got you know, Nick Robinson. We get him back from injury. Um, you know, Zion Morgan got back there. I mean, um, freshman Emil. Never disappointed when he got in the game. And there were you know plenty of times where I actually wanted to put him in. It was just you know you know riding with with the guys. And so the foundation is there. Um, and um, you know, it's it's no secret that this group had success. And and I said this in the locker room. You know, Paul, you follow us. But um, about this time last year, it looked like the program was, was in a bad spot, right? It looked like it was falling apart, but it was really just coming together. And um, so we're gonna continue to build on it. This group put in a great off-season. Um, they were fantastic. Um, and they had a lot of success this year. They got better throughout the year. Can't deny that. and got to build on that
0: momentum. Before we go any further in examining what was just said there, I will tell you that I saw Matt Loddick shortly after the press conference and he stopped me and he said, I really should have mentioned Saki when listing off all of those players. And so let's not think that it was an oversight there by Loddick. He, he basically came up to me and said, I got to make sure, we got to make sure that we mentioned Saki there. And I talked to Daniel right after the game as well and uh, and I shared a lot of his thoughts on Twitter. I'm not going to play that audio here because it was really, really loud in the arena. Um, (laughs) They had to, they had, you know, Bradley cuts down the nets and all of that. And then they immediately had to change over to hockey because they've got a game at the Enterprise Center for the Blues on Monday night. And they had to immediately change that over. So it was a, uh, it was a kind of chaotic scene afterward, but good words with Daniel Sackey at NWI or on Twitter, I shared all of those. And again, Matt Lodic made a point to come up to me and said that he really should have mentioned Saki when he was mentioning all those other players. So that let's not let's not think that there's anything there. Now, the Javon question and situation there, you know, I'm going into the press conference, and I'm the only reporter really that's in there, unless you count there was a question at the end um, that, that a non-reporter, Dot Nectarline, asked, as a matter of fact, Moore kind of made a statement. But I think I was I was one of the – there might have been a couple other people there actually, um, but I, I know that I was the only beat reporter there. And so I'm trying to think about all the different things that need to be talked about, right? You want to talk about the game. You want to figure out, you know, did they run out of gas? I asked for Javon. And John Kaiser and Ryan Fizikas, because I knew that I could grab a couple other players one on one after. And Saki was really the only one that I ended up talking to, just because again of the the chaotic nature. A lot of these guys were spending time with their families, and I didn't want to break that up. So early on in the press conference, and the video clip of it is around. You can find that it it it's uh, it's all over the place. Um, I think the MVC put out the video clip, but early on, I asked Matt Lodic about. I said, I've got a question now, which we'll figure out if we lead to other questions. And it was a question about, do they want to play in the CIT or the CBI? And Matt gave an answer where he he basically said, you know, right now it hurts, we're heartbroken, and... We're gonna take some time. We'll regroup and, and we'll go from there. And later on on the podcast here, I'll have a, a, a quick three minutes I spent with Markle Barbera right after the press conference, and I'll ask him about it, and he'll have a more of a definitive answer there. But I asked that question because if Matt said we're absolutely gonna play in this, then I didn't think I needed to ask the John Kaiser, "Put your career." you know, sum it up for me. Ryan Fazekas, what legacy are you leaving? And then the Javon question. But when Matt didn't sell immediately that, or didn't say immediately, yes, we're going to go play in the CIT or CBI, I thought it was time to activate those questions a little bit. And I'll give you again, after I play the clip from LaBarbera in a little bit, I'll let you know my thoughts on the CIT and the CBI and whether or not Valpo should do it. So, I asked Kaiser at first, John, talk about your career, and he was so emotional, he was holding back tears, he just talked about how he gave it all he had, and he had a lot of fun, he took kind of a breath, and then he said, I'm just going to leave it at that. And then I talked to to Fizikas and asked him to sum up what he was going through, and he just talked about leaving a legacy and the young guys can take it and go forward. Well, then obviously it leads to the next question for Javon Freeman-Liberty, and I didn't want to come out and say to him, Javon, are you coming back to Valpo? I wanted to give him the opportunity to answer however he saw fit, right? This wasn't a a chess game I was playing with Javon or anything. I just sometimes think that there's a time and a place for a lot of these kind of things. But I also know that the number one question that Valpo fans and readers and listeners and supporters and all of that are going to have is... Is Javon gonna transfer? Is he gonna come back? The reason you ask this question is because he did flirt with the idea of transferring last year, right? If he never would have done that, I don't I'm not gonna ask that question. I always thought as a Green Bay Packer fan, it was ridiculous the way the media always did the will he or won't he with Brett Favre. You know, later on, late in the in the in the the his career, there were some questions about. Will he or won't he? But it really felt like for a long time they were creating a narrative, and the same thing with Tom Brady a little bit right now, and the same thing with Peyton Manning that we saw. Now Peyton Manning had a catastrophic injury, and he came back from that. But I just I do feel like sometimes there's this idea that you create a narrative, and I thought a lot of times with Brett Favre there was he never said anything that made you think he was going to retire. So why would you ask that question? And I actually saw some people kind of say to me on Twitter last night, why would you even ask that? Why would, why does he have to say one way? Then the reason you ask the question or the reason it's a topic is because he's already looked at it once, right? He's already looked at it once and he had an amazing season, right? Like, maybe when he looked at it last year, Some teams didn't want to go after him, and now he just delivered 628 points in a season and 74 steals. And yeah, maybe some other people are going to be interested, and especially if the NCAA does some rule changes. Now, if the NCAA does some rule changes, maybe opinions get changed down the line, right? Maybe, you know, I, I, I don't know. But I wanted to say, and I wanted to ask to Javon, you're building something here. What do you think about playing for Valpo? And Javon Freeman-Liberty is an incredibly smart person. So he saw exactly through what I was doing. And I wasn't trying to pull one over on him or anything like that. I don't, you know, I want, I didn't want to put him on the spot if he didn't want to go on the spot. I asked the question, I think you hear in the clip, he could have taken it in any way that he wanted to. And he said, if you're asking my coming back, I am. Boom. There you go. And that led Lodic into then talking about Javon being a special kind of point guard and going from there. So, you know... Midway through the press conference, I immediately hop on Twitter and I tweet out that Javon Freeman Liberty has just announced that he's coming back. You know, he he didn't stand up there and say, "I'd like to make an announcement. I'm coming back." He kind of, you know, shrugged it off. And Malik McMillan earlier this week, leading up to the conference tournament, I'd asked him, "What do you, you know? Do you need to recruit your teammates?" And he said, "We're all we're all bought in." I think and and he said, "We're we're building something here." Saki has echoed that many times as well. So, look does that not mean that he can't, you know, that Javon or anybody else doesn't have a prerogative to change their mind? Of course they do. Of course they do. Right. You know, when, when you can commit to something on a Monday and change your mind by a Wednesday. Right. But, but I wanted to give Javon the opportunity to put it out there. Right. I'm not going to ask him again because it's a done, it's, 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 it's not a question that needs to be asked again until something changes in that respect. Right. And again, I go back to the Brett Favre thing. I just thought that everyone consistently asked that question when there was no reason to. I thought there was a reason to ask this question. He had talked about transferring last year. He had a great year this year. You ask it once. He came out and he was was forward about it. He said, I'm coming back. Okay, done deal. Not going to talk about it until there's a reason to talk about it again. You know and again if the NCAA changes some stuff that says that guys can transfer without having to sit out, maybe that's a conversation but right now it's not. look the nature of college basketball though is that there are going to be transfers and I I look at Valpo's roster right now I don't necessarily see any you know I, I see I, I knowing the guys I see a lot of guys that are bought in that that now somebody will leave because it's it's what happens right but i don't know who i mean i think each individual and i've you know i know that on the valpo message board there's already a thread about possible transfers and they're ranking them and who's more likely and most likely and all of that stuff and and uh it it, i I think anytime if you you look at it in a couple different ways you got people saying oh well javon and donovan really played well they might leave or Zion didn't play a lot, he might leave. I don't I don't know what the you know, what what the the you could justify anybody, right? I think what you see is a group of guys that love playing with each other, that battled through some adversity and did something that no one's ever done in the Missouri Valley Conference before, right? I mean, they rolled all the way through to the championship game. There's one other player I'll touch on really quick, a guy named Siggy Lorang, who he only played 60 minutes this year. Like, he only played 60 minutes. People are writing him off, right? I mean, he played 60 minutes and he was hurt most of the year, right? Like, I don't feel like... I cover the team, and I don't feel like I know anything about Sigula game, right? I'm around this team quite a bit, and I, I don't... You know, people are saying that, you know, whether it's, it's online or it's people at the games or friends of mine who are saying, oh, this guy's not a Division One player, this guy's... How do we know? He played 60 minutes. And in those 60 minutes, by the way, he shot 51% and 6 of 10 from the three-point line. What do you mean he can't play? The guy's played 60 minutes. Give the kid a break, right? Like, you know, this guy was playing in a professional league overseas. I don't think any one of us knows what Siggy Lorraine can bring to the floor. I'm fascinated to see what he can do next year. I heard about camp battles between him and Saki, and 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 how fast that Siggy is. The guy had a hip injury; he was hurt. You might have a guy here who's a fifth year, going to be a fifth year point guard for this team, right? You know this, this. I I think writing this guy off right now. Now, look, I I don't know. I mean, I think it's easy to say that maybe they're homesick or anything. How do we know that? Do we? I mean, I. People are talking about Emil. Emil didn't get a lot of playing time. You hear Matt Lodic in that clip right there. He said he wanted to play him more. He can't wait to play him more. They're really excited about Emil. Emil's coach was here. As Emil's coach from back home came to Arch Madness, and he was there, and he was spending time with the Valpo staff. Emil looks like a guy that is going to be here for a while. And I say the same thing about Siggy. Now, I don't have any insight or information on that. I'm just saying that I think it's really, really presumptive to think that these guys will leave and that Siggy, especially him, to say that he's not a guy that can play at this level, we've seen him play for 60 minutes, right? Spread out over a couple games. And in that time, the guy buried three-pointers like it's his job because, quite frankly, that's his job. I'm fascinated to see what Siggy Lorang is going to do for Valpo going forward. I, I, I I think you can be really excited about a guy like him. Maybe I'm wrong, but I would tell you that I think that Siggy and Emil are guys that they brought in and and they're, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time, right? They're not all Donovan Clay and Ben Cricky. And those two you gotta be really excited about, as you heard Matt Loddick talk about there. So again, I don't I, I imagine someone'll go because it's college basketball and people leave, right? Who that might be, I can't think of an individual at this moment. That is going to go anywhere. So right now you've got Jacob Ogunasevich, I think is how you say it, Connor Barrett and Sheldon Edwards Jr. coming in. All three of those guys can shoot. You're going to lose Kaiser. You're going to lose Fizikas. You're going to lose your best shooter, arguably one of the greatest shooters in school history, and you're going to replace him with some guys that can shoot, but they're freshmen. So we'll see how that goes. I want to actually, on the on the topic of recruiting, I want to bring in a quick audio clip from Doug Elgin. Um, I, I spoke with him at length yesterday after the tournament. We talked for about six and a half minutes, and in that time, we got moved from one room to another to another, so we kept kept having to start and stop talking, so I think in even in this short video clip that's about a minute long that I'm gonna play, I think you'll you'll hear a, a tonal shift in the uh, the atmosphere of the quote, just because we had to start and stop in the midway through. So there's a little bit of editing that goes on in this clip. But I wanted to ask him what he thought about Valpo's run and what it would mean for them. You'll you'll hear you know what I say. And the words of what he said. Uh, I tweeted it out, and actually, I don't think they read very well. I think it actually looks like a backhanded compliment to Valpo, but I think if you hear what Doug Elgin has to say, I think you're kind of understanding what he means when he talks about Valpo now being able to kind of recruit a little bit better and it being good for the brand. And when you hear this clip from Doug Elgin, we'll talk a little bit about it afterward. What did you see this weekend from this team to add to their history and of the Valley's history? Well, I think— you know, what I
2: admired about Valpo was the championship pedigree that they had. And when we went over there to visit and, you know, Matt went through his roster with us, you know, not just showing us what he had. Uh, and and LaBarbera talked about coming into the, the league. Their their mantra was, we don't want to be second division. We don't want to just be in the league. We want to be a championship contender in everything we do. And, and we've seen that. And... and This, I think, gets them to a point now where they have, they they can recruit better, the brand is stronger. I think what this does for Valparaiso, first of all, it's a great experience for the kids to to go through this, to have this success. Um, I now think that they're in a point where they understand that togetherness and and commitment can, can put them in a place where they can win. They can compete in this league.
0: Valley Commissioner Doug Elgin, right there again. Kind of, it it didn't really read great. I tweeted it out, and then a couple people reached out to me, and, and I realized, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe saying this puts them in a position where they can recruit better. Look, I think they're recruiting just fine, but I also think there's maybe a little bit of validity to that, right? I mean, again, we talked earlier on the podcast about guys that Valpo was really close on that Loyola edged them out for, right? Tate Hall is an example. Marquise Kennedy is another one. Keith Clemens is another one who played so well against Valpo. These are all guys that Valpo was in on, right? Uh, Marcus Damask is another one. Lance Jones is another one, that both guys at Southern Illinois. These are guys that, that Valpo was in on too. And look, let's not act like other Valley schools weren't in on some of these players that Valpo has. But, you know, maybe maybe now it's it helps a little bit. This, this can do nothing but help. You know, nationally televised game, more exposure, all of that. I don't think that Doug Elgin was necessarily trashing Valpo's level of talent. I think he was simply pointing out an obvious point that, yes, this can do nothing but help. So I think maybe uh, it it read bad in the tweet just because it without context there. But again, Doug Elgin having some some good things to say there as well. And so now uh, the question, I guess, is, is the season over? 19-16 19-16 and 16 is the year over for Valpo, and I want to bring in a quick uh, interview that I did with Mark Barbara right after the press conference. This has been, again, about 15-20 minutes after the game ended, talking about the CBI and the CIT, and then kind of talking about moving to the Valley, and then I also asked Mark about his thoughts on Javon Freeman-Liberty. Fans want to know, is this the end of the season? I know it takes a commitment to go into a tournament like a CIT or a CBI, and I know that Matt just said, you know, right now maybe it's a little raw, but have there been conversations about this, and what did you see from the team maybe this weekend that that has you excited about maybe going into a tournament like that?
2: Uh, well, you know, you always try to, you always hope for the best and, and, and I guess, I to say plan for the worst, but you, you need to have plans. So, I mean, we have um, had some conversations about what our options would be if we weren't fortunate enough to win today. Um, and so when we get back to campus um, tomorrow morning, Matt and I will sit down and we'll try to, uh, not try, we'll have a conversation to make a determination on what's the best uh, path forward to get us to where we ultimately want to be, and that's... Uh, the team out on the platform getting the um, getting the actual championship trophy, uh, not the one in the back with the uh, with the uh, second team or second place trophy.
0: Getting to the title game, national television, the the
2: 1 p.m. slot
0: here. And this <coughs> feels
2: like why you joined the valley, right? Oh, it is why we joined the valley. Um, Uh, First off, I mean, the winner coming out of the Valley Tournament, it's in a great position to win in the NCAA Tournament, which is where we ultimately want to be. We've said all along that we don't want to just be in the tournament. uh, We want to be able to advance in the tournament. But the second thing is for us as an institution, uh, for us to be, um, for people to see Valparaiso University in prime time on a Sunday afternoon on national television, um, that's great, and it just speaks to the quality of the program or the pro- quality of the university. It just speaks to the quality of the experiences that uh, young people, any young people, can have when they come and the opportunities they have to be part of Valparaiso University. So, yeah, I think it's it's um, it's a win-win. It's it's great for the institution, um, it's great for the program, um, and it's great for our, for our kids.
0: And my final question, I know that you don't necessarily deal with player personnel
2: stuff, but yeah. to
0: hear a guy like Javon up there you know, <laughs> read through my question yeah. and see exactly what I was sure. asking, and he said if you're asking if I'm coming back, yes, obviously that's a boost,
2: right? Yeah, one of the things that um, we had a long conversation about, Matt and I, this summer was what exactly were we trying to build and uh, how exactly do we think the path, best path to get to, to that end point um, and, and what we realized is there is very much a Velpo experience. Um, basketball is just part of it. What happens here, but we needed to find those young people that valued the Velpo experience, valued what we um, have to offer as an institution, and wanted to be part of that. And Javon is very much um, one of those kind of young people, um, as are other members of the team. So, um, not surprised that he would say, "I want to be part of this," because there's been a lot of. Um, a lot of effort put into finding the right people that want to come together, that want to work as a team, that value the Valpo experience, and all want to work together to achieve that ultimate goal, which is to be back in the NCAA tournament and win.
0: Thank you very much. Sure. Mark LaBarbera using the interview as kind of a platform to talk about the Valpo experience, and I appreciated the words that he had to say. Let's talk about the CBI and the CIT for a second, and I think it really would be the CIT that Valpo would be looking at. And even before the conference tournament started – I'd heard rumblings that this might not be it. This weekend might not be it for Valpo. That they were looking at, you know, advancing on to a postseason tournament like the CIT. Valpo's done this a couple times. You know, they played in the CBI back in 2008, and they beat Washington and they beat Houston. Now this was early on in the days of these kind of third and fourth tournaments, and Power Five teams were taking bids in these tournaments. And I think they found that, you know, it, there there wasn't a lot of value there. And uh, it's really NCAA tournament or bust for a lot of these teams. Even if you look at, you know, what Power Five teams are doing in the NIT, they don't really kind of buy into supporting those a lot. But certainly the fan bases don't come out. It's, N- it's NCAA tournament or bust. And while I know that that should be the mantra and the idea of a lot of teams, I mean, that's the goal every year when you set out. I do think Valpo had a great run through the NIT in 2016 that run to madison square garden in new york was so awesome i'll remember covering that for the rest of my life and just the experience of that and uh and you know they they played illinois in the nit the following year they played miami one year in the nit and and so that was you know you earn those bids the cbi or the cit for me feels like a stepping stone for maybe the next season right I almost view it a bit as a college football bowl game that isn't a, a New Year's Day bowl. Like the Enterprise Rent-A-Car Bowl or the Beef Barley Brady Bowl or any of that stuff. Like, Are we quick to tell teams not to go play in those bowl games? Those bowl games don't mean a whole lot, right? What they do mean, and I know that they're a nationally televised game and all of that, and there's money, and sometimes it's a destination. Sometimes it's the Sun Bowl in El Paso where it's freezing cold because I drove through El Paso the day before the Sun Bowl earlier this year. A lot of times what that means is it means extra practice. It means a lot of some guys are saying that they don't want to play in it because their careers are done, they're getting ready for the draft or whatever that might be, and it might be a stepping stone for the following season. Most of the time, those games are used for that purpose. I think about when Valpos went on these runs. Now, obviously, they did the CBI, and the following year, they had one of the worst seasons in Valpo history. So, uh, you know, but that was a senior laden team in 07 08. You had Jared Lloyd, you had Sean Huff, you had, uh, you know, some experienced guys on that team. Hanpa left after that. Brian Bushi left after that. So the the team kind of fell apart after that for a lot of different reasons. When you look at the other years that Valpo's done this, they did it in 2011 when Valpo came oh so close to winning the Horizon League, fell short at the end. Now they played Iona, and I don't know that the players are really bought into that You know, it was a tough game at home and Iona came in and just kind of destroyed them. And I think part of that might have been there was some shell shock from the fans a bit. And did they really even come out and support the team against Iona in that one? Um, And and that's not the fans fault. Look, I I don't I think you look at one of these tournaments and I think you do have to question. Are you playing this for the fans or are you playing this for yourselves? And. I don't know that the guys on that team wanted to play in that tournament, and the fans certainly didn't care about it at that point because, again, so close to the NCAA tournament. But the next year, Valpo comes on, and they win the conference, right? A couple years later, Alec Peters' freshman year, they play Columbia. A couple guys, Bobby Capabianco and Jordan Coleman, expressed that they didn't want to play in the tournament, Valpo plays Columbia, and they lose on a last-second shot. Levante Doherty had an excellent game there. I think you can go back. There was an episode I did with Bobby Capabianco where he talked about maybe not wanting to play in that tournament, but it was an opportunity for the younger guys, and the next year Valpo goes to the NCAA tournament. Matt Loddick said later on he wants his guys to get experience playing deep into March because he thinks they can go on a run like this. So maybe that is what... He's looking for in this situation and again going back to the idea of is this tournament for the fans or is it for the players I think you do right by John Kaiser and Ryan Fazekas to give them an opportunity to play in a postseason game of some sort I think you do right by the younger players to get their feet wet a little bit in this situation but I also there's a so there's a part of me that says yeah absolutely go play it Daniel Sackey, if again you read on Twitter, uh, he said, yeah, we would. I think we'd love to do it. Anything that can get us better for next year. And I think that's the, the way to look at it, is you get better for next year. You're not doing this to cap off this year. You're doing this to build something toward next year. Now, the flip side of that, and this is where my thinking has maybe changed a little bit over the last 48 hours you want to go into one of these tournaments because you want to give your team a taste of playing late in March and playing for something and all of that. And I understand entering into conversations about this tournament when you are the seventh seed and you're probably going to beat Evansville and you're probably going to lose to Loyola if the math, you know, just the bracketing plays out the way that it's supposed to. I'm not saying the players went in there with the idea that they were going to lose or anything like that. But I do think there is value in considering, hey, we're probably going to get one or two games in the conference tournament. Maybe we should try to get a few more after that and get these guys ready to know what it's like to play for something big. Well, then they went and did it. I mean, they won these games. They went and did it, you know, and th- they got to play for something big. And when if you lose to Loyola in this, in the quarterfinals, okay, your season ends at seventeen and seventeen, I think it was, or, or something, or seventeen and sixteen. You know, seventeen and sixteen, it would have been. Sure, go to the CIT and and you know see what you can do there and, and get some experience playing some big games in March. Well, you played some big games in March. You beat Loyola. You beat Missouri State. You played Bradley. And you had the lead you know with fifteen minutes left to go. you played some big games in March, and if that game against Bradley was played on a neutral court in the middle of the week without having played three games previously, I think it's five and five, maybe six and four one way or the other. I think they're they're two really good evenly matched teams and but but you got experience playing big games. And you've played for a right to go to the NCAA tournament. Is playing for the CIT title going to mean as much as it does now as it would have done had you lost to Loyola in the quarterfinals on Friday? I don't know the answer to that, right? I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like Valpo certainly exceeded the expectations in the weekend at Arch Madness, but maybe in doing so, maybe recalibrated what the expectations are a little bit, and the expectations are at Valpo to compete year in and year out to go to the NCAA tournament. I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of optics thing to look at for Valpo coming out of this tournament right now because Valpo wants to be considered amongst the best teams in the valley. They don't want to be considered among the team that made the Cinderella run all the way from the play-in game. They want to be in the title game every single year, right? That's what they expect. That's what I think the fans expect. And that's what, in the Horizon League, Valpa was in the title game or the semifinals almost every year. I'll tell you that as a reporter and as somebody who covered a lot of these games when I was a broadcaster as a student— I almost took for granted that Valpo was in the title game every year. That Valpo, regardless of what happened in the first 30 games, Valpo was probably going to get a chance to play for a bid to the NCAA tournament. And I think that this run really kind of reinvigorated a lot of people around the program, right? Obviously, I got a lot more people reaching out to me on, social media and, and all of that just because of what happened. You know, The I'll tell you this, the page clicks went up, the numbers went up, the views went up, and all of that stuff, so thank you all for that. But watching the fans flock to St. Louis, and look, they're still, Bradley still had a 70% hold on that arena, if not higher, but a lot of people Saturday night or Sunday morning woke up and said, I'm going to St. Louis, and they showed up. People drove through the night to get there. That's awesome. Eric Bugs showing up. Aaron Levitt showing up. Danny Dahlenberg and a bunch of students showing up. Alums showing up from all over the place. thought it was awesome. It was really cool to see that people kind of came out and supported. If you go play in the CIT, do you? Uh, do, no one's going to care about that, right? I mean, maybe here and there. Uh, certainly, when Valpo played Texas Southern in the NIT, I don't think there was a huge draw there. When Florida State got there, that was cool because it was a power five. And then when St. Mary's came for the right to go to New York, I mean, I think the arc set a attendance record. I don't know that a lot of fans were excited about the NIT before the Texas Southern game. They certainly got excited about it as time went on. But I don't know that the CIT is about the fans. I think it's about the players. I think it's about the coaches. I think it's about building toward something. And if Loddick and LaBarbara, if Kaiser and Fazekas, if Freeman, Liberty, and Sackey, if Clay and Cricky, if these guys decide that they want to keep going, who's to say they shouldn't, right? They're doing it for the right to get better for next year, or for the seniors to get sent off of the postseason game, to have some sort of experience. But if John Kaiser walks in and says, you know what, I gave it everything that I had, and I came up a little bit short. And I want my memory of my final college basketball game being that I fought for the right to go to the NCAA tournament, the goal of every college basketball player. I think you got to respect that. If you got, you know, then then what I would say is if you don't go to the CIT or you don't go to the CBI or whatever that is, call up Eric Bugs, call up Levante Doherty, call up Jay Harris, call up call up Howard Little. Call up the guys in Chicago and say, get to the arc. It's time for pickup basketball, right? You see this bond that these recent alums have with these current players right now. Get to the arc and let's get better for next season. It feels like, and Daniel Sackey said this yesterday, it feels like he's not in this alone, that they're not in this alone. The players aren't. They've got people watching over them. and, And that means a lot, I think. And I'll tell you that, in when I was coming up, following Valpo, these guys would come in from Europe, and they'd be part of the program while they were here, and then they would go play professionally. They would go back home, and I don't know. And, and social media makes it easier. Let's not get it. Let's not act like this maybe wouldn't have happened twenty years ago if social media were a thing. But I I think you see a a, a bigger bond now with some of the older players that you do, and I, and I got to give credit to Luke Gore on that. I think Luke Gore does a great job of building that bridge for former players and the current players. And I think that's great. And if Valpo doesn't play in the CBI or the CIT or whatever that might be, I think it's pickup basketball time. And I think the alums may come back and may may give them some run, you know, and it happens a lot during the summer. If you ever happen to walk through the arc during the summer – I got to tell you, there is some good spirited basketball that goes on there. And that's where the work is. That's where the work happens to get through this. All right. I've rambled on enough. It's been five podcasts in like six days. I'm going to take a break. I turn 40 tomorrow. I'm going to celebrate my last day in my 30s doing something. I don't know what, but it sure as hell ain't going to be working. So thank you all for listening, for what you've done over the last couple of days, the interactions on social media, seeing all of you in St. Louis that were there that came up to me and all of that. its It was a lot of fun. It was an honor. It was it was a blast. It's, it, it's, it's weeks like this that you remember why we do the job, right? It's uh, it's awesome to tell these stories. It's awesome to see the interaction. And it's awesome to be around the enthusiasm that people were at. I I've said this many times, and I'll end with this. Sports are simply here to entertain us, right? I mean, that, I know it's win or lose and all of that, and uh, but for me, as a storyteller of sports, it's simply... A vehicle for entertainment especially I don't want to get political but with all the garbage that's going on in the world right now and we all you know who knows what's going on health wise but uh, sports are here to entertain and if you weren't entertained by this weekend even in the loss and it can be frustrating and it can hurt and all of that but if you it was entertaining so kudos to John Kaiser and to the team and the program and all of that it was a lot of fun I, I'm, I hope they play in the CIT just because I hope the fun continues. If not, it's going to be an interesting off season. We'll see kind of how things unfold to the schedule and all of that. Obviously, once a determination is made about CIT and all of that, I'll come back with one more podcast. We'll get a couple of these guys on here to talk us through the weekend. I'm really excited to kind of hear what they went through. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of that. See you later.